Good afternoon. The time is now uh, 10 past five. Apologies, I'm a little bit late, uh, Gary. Um, so tonight, I'm gonna, this afternoon, I'm going to switch you over. We've got sunshine up here in Scotland, and we're going to introduce you now to Gary Stango. How are you? I'm good, Martin. How are you? I'm really good. We've got sunshine in Scotland, um, which is happens once a year, actually. <laughs> so, well, it's freezing down here. It's been amazing. We had 23 degrees down uh, in Berkshire uh, a couple of days this week. Right. And, uh, Monday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Golf, golf returned on the Monday, and we had 20, 23 degrees, I think, for three days. Um, amazing. Do you, and, do you get to uh, play a lot of golf? You're obviously involved with the running of a club, but do you play yourself much? Do you get to play? I don't. I don't play so much now. Yeah. I play occasionally, and uh, um, my first game back, I played nine holes in our new uh, layout of our new golf uh, new golf club down here uh, on Thursday morning, and I was appalling. So I don't. I don't. <laughs> I don't play it up, but. Generally during the summer I'll start playing a bit. I play an awful lot with the other golf club managers. That's 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 probably more my golf really. Yeah, I, play with I was gonna say, is it is it one of them things where I think when I was involved in golf, if if you were on the golf course, then people would cross the fairways to talk to you <laughs> to complain uh, about something uh, of whatever it was. That, that's exactly it, and and, and it will never change. And it's quite. I I live on the course, yeah. so I I, I live on where, where I work. So I manage a golf club, live on site. Um, the last two years, I've been managing two uh, two clubs, so uh, yeah, so um, yeah, you, you, it's very hard to escape it. But there's there's so many more pluses to this to working in this industry that you know, if you get bothered a bit by by somebody moaning about no sand in a bunker or something, it's, I think uh, I think a lot of um, people would say, Gary, that you live in the dream. Working on a golf course, people uh, people in a normal kind of commercial life would. I know I'm not I'm not glamorizing it, but you know people in the traditional corporate world would say, "God, I'd love to work on a golf course, wouldn't they? Wouldn't they?" I I don't I I I absolutely don't take it for for credit. It's a lot of hours, and and at times there's quite a lot of sacrifices from it, but it, it's an amazing industry to work in. I mean, I interestingly, I was I was coaching badminton literally full-time when the chance came for me to move into golf management and uh, I met with Dan Travers in, in, in Glasgow at, at the, the badminton union and I said to him I got the chance to work in golf and and which was quite unusual at the time uh, golf management was probably more for retired bank managers or um, somebody coming out of the army um, than, than uh, I, I guess I was mid-30s at the time uh, or early 30s when I, when I moved into it and I had the, the opportunity to do it. But it's changed now. There's a lot younger people in it. You know, they're, they're going into training early on. So, um, but it is, it is. I mean, I've had some amazing experiences and continue to because yeah, of it. So, yeah. Let's go Let's go into Babington. Let's go over the questions. Here we go. So, your full name, Gary? Is Gary Colin Stangle. Where did the Colin come from? Do you know? I have absolutely no idea. It's funny. I just, I don't know if you heard the conversation there with, Barry Rebus, which is what I'll call him from now on. Uh, Rebus. <laughs> Rebus, that's what he's going to get called, Barry, all the time. Um, is he didn't he didn't know where his middle name came from? And he asked his dad, and he found out. How good is that? And that was just for me asking the questions. He actually went and said, "Dad, where did my name actually come from?" <laughs> Listen, I, I, I've got to phone my mother later yeah, on, so uh, I will ask. Why, Colin? No, yeah. Um, and your age, Gary. Uh, 54. 54. And where are you from? Um, where is home? I can't, uh, John, I can't remember. 
Kevin obviously told me. So so home was was it was Edinburgh, you know. I obviously yes, spoke to my course. brother. So uh, Edinburgh was the um, really, and then I moved out to West Lothian before moving down to England in '97. So um, I had a short spell uh, on '98. I had a short spell back up in Scotland for about two year, uh, year and a half. But other than that, I've been down. So were you coach in with uh, Douglas Walker? So yeah, yeah. I, I mean, we you know we follow uh, the Douglas was the yes. Firhill High School, uh, and Douglas's mixed partner was a lady called Alma Christie, and she was the headmistress of the primary school. So, because my brother had yes. gone before me, uh, and as a player by that time he was, uh, I think certainly Lothians, if not Scotland squads, he, um, I, I literally didn't get a choice. I got pulled out of class and told I was joining no. the badminton club. Um, and then I kind of fast-tracked. I, w- I was up in the high school, even though I was still in primary school, playing with some of the, the, the high school players with Douglas, and, yeah. and Douglas then took me, yeah. took me through. So. We'll come to that. Good. Um, Brother Douglas, is it just you and Kevin? Just Kevin. What yeah, is yeah. the difference, is there? It's a, a three and a is half years, I think. Older. Uh-huh. Hey, I'll forgive you for asking that. Three years older. So was he? Um, so was he your inspiration to start playing badminton? Um, possibly an inspiration. I mean, it, it was. Did your parents it, play? I guess my my mum played. So she, my mum went to Douglas Walker's right. night school, and and played a bit. So she went, and and she was probably better than most of the the other night school players. Uh, it, was, it was just to kind of you know go along and learn to play, um, but she never really I don't think played club badminton. My dad had played a bit more badminton down in Stranraer, but he was a golf professional, so he was he was professional at like Craig Miller and Monkton Hall, but he had played a bit. So they they had played, and, and we used to kind of have a hit occasionally in the garden, but nothing you know for me it was primary yeah. six. Uh, teacher came round and said like we're going to start a badminton club and by the way you're 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 going who else in your class is coming so and what so what age was that primary six what are you then nine is it something like that i know i would say 10 10 yeah Yeah. but as you say it's um so at the time i suppose kevin's getting rallied around from coaching and one place or another tournaments and all that kind of stuff and you were kind of watching this going on and you kind of go along watching with them i suppose yeah, you know, I tend to be. I don't remember going too much during the course of the day, but I remember getting bundled in a car and driven down to Gala Shields mm-hmm. over the borders. So getting getting driven down to Gala Shields at, late at night um, to pick him up from the end of a mm-hmm. tournament. So you know, I kind of, you know, that that was probably my first introduction to it, um, I, and being being in that environment. And he was obviously wanting to play all the time at that time, and. Just getting the the mentality. I was just talking to um, Barry there about golf and the kind of affinity with golf and badminton. I think people that love badminton and love golf are similar in that they obsess about something. They get it into your head and you want to get better. And it's it, you're not the kind of a fleeting hobbyist. I think badminton and golf are quite similar in that when you're in it, my God, you're in it. You know, you're just constantly thinking, why did I do that? Or why did I do that? Or why did I do that? And I think there's a lot of similarities between golf and, and badminton like that. And he's obviously taken to being obsessed with badminton and 
and you've obviously done obviously you probably got that from your dad in golf i suppose he was i guess i guess your dad as a golfer was always away playing golf right I, I bet he was always working. He was a proper kind of club pro and working all the time. I mean, you're, you're touching on golf there. So uh, when we played badminton, uh, yes. sorry to skip forward, but when we played uh, Edinburgh schools level, um, there was four of us that, that, that played quite a lot. One one was outside Edinburgh. I was in Musselburgh. So Colin McLeod, uh, Alan Murdoch, who I played my first final, mm. who beat me uh, in a tournament. Uh, Alan Hogg, who played a lot of... Uh, badminton and again in the early schools ages now those guys all work in golf full time so alan hogg uh, over at king's barnes was director of golf at king's barnes certainly last time uh, i'd heard and alan muddox at uh, king's right, acre yeah. so he's involved in the set there and runs king's acre yeah. um Cole mcclack was involved at carnoustie really? uh, and the operations at carnoustie uh, and then obviously myself and and we were all at the same time same age group Playing, playing badminton, and we all ended up working in golf. And then just after that, a um, couple of years younger than me, Katrina Lambert, I was, um, is Katrina Matthew, Solheim Cup captain, who was also a very, very about, good badminton why, player. Why is, there, why is there a similarity? Why is that? I, I don't know. I mean, I actually see it as, as, as different because I, I had a period when I'd stopped playing badminton and played golf competitively, at a reasonable level for a while. I find it quite hard because golf, you can go out and you can have your best game and you could end up six shots behind yes. somebody or you can go out and play terrible and win. You know, that, that's what happened. Badminton, it's it's one-on-one. It's, you know, generally, you when you walk on a court, most of the time you would feel if you're at the top of the sport, you feel like you've got an advantage over somebody else so, and be confident of winning and you have that control um, until you get to a kind of very level pegging one, then, you know, it's very whereas golf, you know, there could be 50 guys, 100 guys turn up and if they have their day, yeah. they can beat you, they yeah. can all beat you. Whereas in a, in a kind of one-on-one sport, badminton or tennis, it's, it's far more kind of, niche as to who's gonna who's gonna be the victor i'm just i'm sorry i'm just had a picture sent through from um gary from um barry of a picture of you and him can you see that <laughs> so yeah 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 yeah. so that's that's when i was invited as a a, a player um i'll use that in inverted commas to uh to take the primary schools course oh, really? at Inverclyde. so i uh, yeah 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 so barry was a phenomenal talent that was on that course. Um, Bruce Flockett, who you uh, interviewed, obviously he went on to yes. become great. Bruce wasn't one of the better juniors. He was obviously very keen. His parents yeah. played. But Barry was there. He was one of the better ones. And then uh, I think Alexis Blanchefleur and Nicola Brown were on that. Um, a, the, one of the other lads, I oh, can't remember, uh, who was on, on the course. So there was quite a lot of them that went on to do really well. And play for Scotland and things um, that were all on that wow. same course. So Invercloud was a yeah. thing, wasn't it? I was, Invercloud was a thing, wasn't it? Oh, huge, massive, and and I know for a lot of people that watch these videos, and and that's why it comes out. I mean, I went when for under twelve, um, and what was good from from that point of view, you were suddenly uh, at times when you were at Invercloud, your your kind of heroes yeah, were there yeah. as well, so. You know, we were there as, as juniors under 12 and 14, and then, you know, you'd have Dan Travers would be there or 
Billy Gillen would be there and you, you know, you'd be sitting in the cafe and, and so you're, you're actually mixing with your sporting heroes yeah. when you were quite young. So it had a really big influence. But we all, you know, we had a great laugh and, and uh, probably did a lot of growing up when there. Did you, when did you start coaching? Um, when did, how did that come in from, from playing? When did you decide you are going to be co- involved in coaching? Well, funnily enough, you were just talking about this with Barry and you said something about if something happened in your locality. So I had, uh, and, and again, glandular fever comes up. So I had um, stopped playing after I, under 18s. I'd done well under 18s and I'd, I'd done quite well just at the very, very start of kind of coming out of juniors and, and seniors. And then something happened and so I decided to that? quit for a little while. Right. So 18. So I quit for a few months, then realized I was being stupid, started playing again and got glandular fever immediately. Wow. And that was me. I had it in my system for sort of two or three years, and although I played a bit uh, after that, um, I didn't. You know, I, I never got to back anywhere close to, to yeah. I guess where 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 I'd been. But anyway, in that time, Craig Robertson, who you also interviewed, uh, had started playing a bit, and he got to the age where he was um, he was working um, and was trying to play badminton heard that I had moved out to Livingston. So he contacted me and said, would I kind of do some training with him? So I did a little bit with Craig, not not huge amounts, but just helped him train. And, and um, it was nice to help. Anyway, I then started playing golf competitively and, and was doing, again, okay at that. And Craig phoned me up out of the blue. By this time, he would probably be mid-20s. Right. Uh, early 20s mid 20s and he was doing he was doing pretty well and he said to me he said have you got any spare time he said there's two kids that are really good and he said i can't devote any time to helping them he said if you could you come and have a look and uh i turned up at a, a school to see one of them in, in in west lothian his name was brian sutherland and he was about 13 or 14 and i had never I, as a badminton player had been you know a, a good junior, I'd never seen somebody as as, as athletic as what he was. He wasn't the best with a racket in his hand. He was very good. He was strong and he was really good. And then the opposite with the uh, the girl, not that Catherine was athletic, but the girl, Catherine, uh, Catherine Graham, she was magnificent with a racket. Again, very, very yeah. skilled with the racket. They, and they lived, both lived in Fault House. And you yeah. were talking, I mean, if you remember from Craig's interview, you were talking about Hamish yes. Miller and the school. And um, I went along to help them. And, and, and again, Hamish was more than happy that center, I... Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, so I, I, I then used to start to take them and they were, they, were, they were fabulous. And then they got... We had quite a lot of success very, very quickly. Or they, you know, in, in terms of... You know, I, I suddenly was working with them quite a lot and they did quite well, well yes. above their age groups. And then I got invited in to, to kind of help with the Scottish Junior Squad. Um, what age were you then? Um, and although I, uh, late 20s, maybe maybe yeah, about 30 yeah. then. Um, but then I did I did kind of, I, I kind of coached quite a bit and then Craig and I ended what up doing, doing for quite work, a lot of coaching. Gary, apart from that, what were you doing for work between... At the time, mainly sales. I was doing various sort of sales. I I used to sell um, cycle equipment, cycle bits and pieces and travel around Scotland, north of England and stuff. So 
Uh, yeah, yeah. So um, I had a bet, and then I ended up, I used to spend quite a bit of time up north. So there was three sisters that were very good, all played for Scotland juniors. And so when I was up up there, I got there and stay with them and uh, and, and take the three of them yeah. and do some coaching with them and and, yeah. uh, and then do some stuff for the Scottish juniors. So, um, yeah, it, 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 listen, I, I, I want to swap to a lot of what I've had to do and the experiences for anything because it's, it's been great. But, but also, there's been downsides. One of your other interviews with Peter yeah. Hardy from the Borders. So I've used this example an awful lot in my life, talking about one of the hardest decisions I had to make. And then Peter's on camera yeah. talking about it. You know, and it obviously affected him because we didn't yes. select him for a big event. And, and uh, yeah. And um, I, I had to message him afterwards because, you know, it's always bothered me because it was one of these things where you kind of knew if you didn't pick him, perhaps he's international, okay, junior international. But I guess what was harder for him is that his own individual coach was one of the selectors. Yes. And for him, I mean, that was awful. We we had, a, you know, in the, the Coburn Centre, we had a meeting. And I, I won't forget Alistair Morgan actually taking it really, you know, he sat there and he knew what he was doing, but he also knew that we, we kind of had to pick these other kids. And so, yeah, as I said to you off camera there, you know, it's a bit like therapy. Yeah, absolutely. So, you go, so, it's a process of going through things. And why did that happen? And that's how it started really for me, just asking you questions. And that's what I was, I was talking to somebody about, you know, the the COVID situation is obviously horrendous, but what, you you know, time, um, I think, I don't know what you think, but I think time is a luxury. You know, you you know, I I, I sell myself, and and you know, I deal with people who I don't have time to look at that now. I don't have time to look at that now. I don't have time. When do you have a time to stop and reflect on your life and and things that have affected you and things that you've done and things that were good and things that were bad? And normally in day to day life, you just fly along. You just fly along. You don't have time to analyze yourself. You don't have time to think about things that you've done or why you did them or or how it could have been better or why you did this or why you did that. So that's the one good thing is you actually have time. You know, you know, you know. I don't know. I just, I just think in day to day life, you just generally you don't have time for thinking about things, and that's how this started. Really, it's just analysis of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But for me, it's these videos that have stopped. I've <laughs> <laughs> suddenly generated the time to sit and reflect because. You know, I had um, Julie Hogg was on now for for, for various reasons. Um, I was really good friends with Julie and 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 her sister, and then Russell, her late husband, I played doubles with for a while. So you, you've got you know things come up there, and you think, God, I should have been in touch more. I didn't do this. I didn't yeah. do that. And um, and then Alan McMillan was, and you talk about people that you wanted to beat and aspire to. Alan and I were, were kind of, I guess, rivals um, for age groups. Was he it? was a year younger than me, and came and knocked me off my perch. Um, I did get that perch back for a little while. Um, but we then travelled across Europe together and you had a lot of memories from there. And, um, you know, a number, um, Brian Thompson as well was an interesting one because I, I listened to Brian's interview intently because Brian was always kind of around as a periphery at the clubs, so we played some club stuff. But... I thought he was being quite hard on himself because I always remember as being a really, yeah. really good player. And I, my memories of Brian was that he was playing county stuff and, and was slightly higher a standard than he was giving yeah. himself credit for. But he was a really good guy. I always remember Brian, you know, when we did go to club matches and stuff, 
Um, but yeah, you know, no, it's been so. So yeah, in terms of reflection, your videos yeah, have no, kind of you. generated the idea. Energy. Okay, let's get back to the questions. Uh, where did it? Why and where did you start playing? I've got that. Your first ever racket. So it's already been mentioned. Was my brother's racket because that got passed That's down sweet. to me. So it was it was it was a three point nine that got passed down, and then I immediately not long after that, and I said. My parents bought me a, a Carlton three point seven X. X. No, no. There's a story here. So it was an S, Where? okay. And then, so they bought me that, and I took it to Meadowbank, probably a couple of weeks into having it, and I was hitting a shuttle up against the wall, and I hit a table, and I bent <laughs> the head completely, and I was mortified. So. They promised to replace it. I don't know why, because it was my fault. But and, and then they went out and got me three point seven X. So uh, that's that's. I think there was a three point eight S, which has what I remember. My brother had that, and it was a it was had a, it was a red head and had a black shaft, and it was graphite shaft but a metal head. That's a three point eight S. I remember that one as well. That, that was one of the. I was, was, was one of the one of the first. Yeah. But I mean, I was lucky because after that, it was always kind of. Terms of contracted was stuff it? that I had, um, yeah, 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 sponsored and all that kind of stuff. Coaches seem to be do quite well out of getting sponsored, don't they? Because obviously they have a lot of players run through their fingers, don't they? You know, they they can influence you know what kids like or whatever else. It's it's. Don't know if you watched um, Eddie O'Neill. Did you watch that? I saw bits. Bits. Interestingly, I saw Eddie's. Uh, like there was a huge amount of people yes. watched Eddie's one. And then it must be reflective yes, of his character. Big, so, big, yeah. But he, what he was talking about was he came over from Glasgow over to North Berwick and he just thought, I'm going to send a letter to Yonex and say, any chance you could give me a racket or something like that? I'm a coach, any chance you give me a racket? And he just said, he hadn't said in his interview, huge box arrived from Yonex. He was expecting a letter. That he was expecting, and there's this huge box of dozens of rackets and shoes and tracksuits and T-shirts. And he says, I couldn't believe it. He just opened this box and it was all there. I don't know if that still happens now, mind. Well, it, it's the funniest thing is it used to happen with players. So the players were always looked after great. I we were talking about this on the yeah. on the Bamit Memories call the other night. I had a phenomenal contract Did when you? I was like 15, 16. I mean, I got oh, I mean, I was I used to get some like I think I had six rackets. These were that was a Slazenia contract. I used to get six rackets, eight shirts, four pairs of shorts, eight pairs of socks, and then I had an Adidas a uh, shoe contract as well. Uh, yeah, um, yeah, and um, and then. It, just when I was about 18 and, and, and starting to, just as I've got the seniors, they, they pull back in the contracts. So f- cut forward a few years and became a coach. That was when they started, decided to give the stuff out mm-hmm. to coaches. So I was like, win-win. I used to get it as a player mm-hmm. and I got it as a coach. So Comment so, uh, from, yeah, got a comment here from Kevin that says, the 3.7X is in my garage. <laughs> so there you go. There, 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 you, go. there yeah. you go. Nice one, Kevin. Good. It won't be 3.7S because it's got a bent head somewhere. Uh, what, what was the name of the first club you went to? So, I, in terms of like an, an adult club, I mean, we were, we, I was in the Firhold Junior Badminton Club, so I, I, as a lot of people were, but I, I was a Nomads player. I went because Kevin was Nomads and Dougie was Nomads. So, um, again, I didn't get a choice. Dougie just tell me to get in the car and, and, and we went, you know, at the time coaches were like drive players somewhere, but we, we went to uh, where did, went where to Nomads. Where did they used to play? 
So I, we, I'm trying to remember where we started. I remember they moved out to the Jack Kane Centre, yeah. out at Craig Miller, but we played somewhere else before that. Um, we, we played, course, we played St George's School now. It's St George's School for Girls at Rosebud is where we play now. Played there yeah, for quite a while, though, haven't they? It's, it's a great hall, actually. So I play the club there on a Tuesday and right. a Thursday, actually. North Morningside is Tuesday and right. Nomads is Thursday. It's really good, actually. It's a... Well, we... Um, I, I, I'd be I'd be lying if I said that that we played we played a bit of club stuff. I said joint we we'd a really good club, but we again we were at the, the point where the sport was moving away from the clubs more into and in, into you know your, your training really? schedules. So excuse me, we had the so they just appointed Alan Carr was thirteen. And they just appointed Alan Campbell as the first kind of full-time national coach. Before that, I mean, you, you'll have heard uh, Roger Mills talked about it. So Roger had been, I think he was on like 100... Sorry. Scottish badminton. And then... Um, Sorry, uh, that was me. Yeah, my screen now. Mm. Uh, uh, and then um, Alan Campbell was appointed. And, you know, badminton was just becoming... So Billy and Dan were suddenly becoming on TV and they were becoming... And everything started to become a bit more serious, and there was more emphasis on us, you know, training more than than, than doing clubs. And and I would I would certainly say it was probably around then, where uh, not long after they started to separate a little bit. People started in the clubs, but there was more emphasis on the players starting to do a bit more training. Because yeah. of course they're playing all day, and, right? And, they're getting coached all day. They're playing all day long, and then when they get home at night, they don't want to be going to a club, I suppose. As well, yeah. Well, we again, um, as juniors, probably our national junior squad at the time, there was a couple of us left and we're playing badminton full time. Um, and and I, I use that term loosely, I mean, we were just playing at it, we thought we were full time players, but we weren't, you know, training as as, as the, the, the modern players were. But but that's what we were doing, we were claiming the dole, right. stringing rackets, and wow. and and playing badminton quite a lot you know um uh, whereas uh, and then when i left scotland in 97 and 98 that was around about the time the, the lottery money was coming out i mean it really took a big jump then in terms yeah. of seriousness but certainly i would say mid to, to late 80s as the sport became a bit more higher profile in scotland and, and we had billy and dan being successful and um i i i, I think the players then probably Stop playing quite as so much most club people stuff. Were just kind of, they were just basically what living at home, and there was no, there was no, you know, there wasn't enough income. It was just really kind of just making an, only just enough money, staying with your parents. They continued to work, and you kind of you just clean the dole and just it's like pocket money, and that's the that's idea, it. right? Yeah, 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 no, no, we were. I mean, at the time, uh, again, mid eighties, uh, Scottish badminton seem to have and, and this is for other people to talk about offline but it seemed to have more funds and more money so we went to an awful lot of events we were funded quite well you know we we would travel to a lot of things um and yeah i mean it was it was spectacular at that time and then when i was coaching well, you're living so financially kind of how you live, Gary, with that just is it hand to mouth you very much thinking oh, i can't afford it or did that come into it? Did that? Did you have things where you thought I can't go and do that because I can't afford it at the moment? Or did... 
Well, yeah, but I was only what seventeen, eighteen. You know, I mean, yeah, my course. parents were still. You're a you kid, know, of course. Paying yeah. for me to live at home. Just like you know, the only friends at university and, and, and get living like students anyway, right? It's the same thing, hasn't it, I suppose? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the uh, so the Allen sisters, Jenny and Eleanor, who I, you know, we grew up with, they were working full-time. They worked for Standard Life. I, I think a lot of the players tried to find jobs that gave them a bit of flexibility where the companies maybe uh, yes, that's right. uh, appreciated yeah, sport yes. and excellence. And and I allowed them to do the training out. Uh, Jim Mailer had that. I don't know if you watched um, Jim Mailer. He had a thing with, he was with, yeah, yeah. I can't remember who it was. It's in, in outside Sterling. I can't remember who it is. Big company. Principal and Prosper, is it? Something like, yeah, something like I can't remember. I can't remember. Yeah. Scottish Equitable. Scottish Equitable, I think. He worked at Scottish right. Equitable, yeah. which was just outside Sterling. And he had flexibility in that kind of that kind of working life where he could say, okay, I'm going to finish early. I'm going to start late. I think it was flexi time or something, I think he said. Yeah. Well, my I, I was still playing when I got my a, my first kind of real job. So I, I eventually the door, the door caught up with me and said, you've not applied for a job in 10 months. You know, you need to go. So I, I, I got sent on the old YTS mm-hmm. scheme and I went to work for the Scottish yeah, Sports Council. Cool. That's quite so cool. Again, yeah. So that, 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 that was yeah. good. That was great. And I uh, met some fascinating people and they allowed me to take as much time off as I, I needed yeah. for the badminton. But then that came to an end. So I went to work for the civil service, which again was flexi time, and and you know, so I'd jump on a bus from Gorgie Road, head down to Meadowbank, and 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 go and play there. Um, but it, maybe the other big thing uh, that was a difference at the time is that we got all the players in the mid '80s, and a lot of those players played international badminton for a long time. It seemed like we had um, scholarships from Edinburgh City Council, so we got free courts at Meadowbank oh, all the time. And then, the, and again later on, they withdrew that. But it, you know, we were we lived at Meadowbank because we had free badminton courts. That was that was, I mean, unique. And then we get a grant as well towards our expenses. Yeah, fantastic. Um, okay, back to the questions. Um, shuttles that you use, first of all. Well, um, yeah, again, uh, you were playing playing plastics and a bit of feathers, and. Um, there, there's been a lot of talk about the Perth yes. badminton scene, mm-hmm. um, and I used to spend a lot of time and go up there and live with a family, the McDonalds. In fact, a uh, Barry mentioned Fraser McDonald. His mother worked for a company that used to uh, import from China, and they used to bring in uh, mm-hmm. feather shuttles. I think, I think it'd be somebody else's. We tell you that they were CG, they were feather shuttles, so they were like yes, cheaper brand right. feathers. So we used to get, I used to buy stacks of them and we used to we used to practice with them. They were a lot cheaper than your RSLs and your junior tunies. And, and I, I don't know what, what their business was, but they were importing these feather shuttles. I, um, I bought a tube of shuttles from eBay and this guy was, you know, I, was, I ran a club and I, I started a summer club a few years ago and I was trying to find shuttles and AS30s, you always think that there's, oh God, there's so much money. There must be, God, there must be so much money in shuttles, you think. And I don't think there is any money in shuttles because everybody's around the same price. They're all about 20 quid a dozen now. And this guy was selling them for like 13 quid. Yonex AS30s for 13 quid. And you know when they say something's too good to be true. <laughs> well, sure enough, they arrived. And I'm thinking, and I, I had the two of them side by side and I was hitting them and all that kind of stuff. But there's a, yeah, it's a, the, the world as it is now, you can't trust anything, you know? They were they were totally terrible. Yeah. I felt the feel the weight of them and it's, it's not right, and this yes, yeah, so you just you'd buy things. You know what it's like. You buy something on the, on the internet, and it arrives. And you're like, oh, what did I do that for? Kind of thing. 
My favourite shot's now a leaning. There's a leaning make great rackets go. Right. Shuttles go the A ninety S nineties, which are tops. They're my favourite the last for ages. Um so I was involved in brand shots and we were going through in a in a club five tubes a week in shuttles. A hundred pounds hundred pounds oh. a night in shuttles we were going through. It's absolutely crazy. And trying to sustain it and you think, Oh god. And plus the whole luckily the hall at St George's was relatively cheap, but Yes, shuttles are really. It's, you spend a, five tubes of shuttles on a club night. You know, twenty-five people going, and they were just killing shuttles. You know, every two, every two rallies. It was like it was like on the YouTube. It was like you'd find on the telly. It was the way the and it's you know, if one feather goes, nope, get rid of it, get another one. Unreal. So who's covering? Who's covering the cost of them then? Damn. I mean, is that is that is part of your membership fee or well, is just that nightly? Play, so I did, it, I did it on maths. I did it on kind of. I just said right, okay, the whole cost. I think the whole was like eighty quid for the night, which is cheap for the whole hall, right? It wasn't by court. You could pay the whole hall, yeah. um, which is which is really really good. And then so you'd have five courts between the hours of eight and ten o'clock at night, and then so you just did the maths and divide it up, and the more people that went. The less it would be, and sometimes you'd get a little bit extra. You you know you charge, I don't know if you charge if twenty five people charge charge turn up and you charge a tenner. I guess that's two hundred and forty quid, eighty quid for the whole, a hundred quid for shuttles, and you've got a, a little balance of sixty quid. And then the next week, only however many people turn up because it's whatever, and it just it works like that, and it just gradually kind of works itself out eventually. When you start looking at the difference, I I started looking at it and thinking, you know, maybe it doesn't need to be nine, maybe it could be eight pound fifteen. You think. You know, who wants to come and pay £8.50 instead of nine quid? You know, what difference does it make to people? Um, so, yeah, I, I enjoy running club. I enjoy running club and I, I enjoy the social side of it. And just, you know, you start getting, and I mean, that's how all of this starts really, because I've just got a network of badminton players, right? So if I said, if I said, to, if I said, I'm running a badminton club on Thursday night, does anybody want to come? And you've got a, a group of 100 people in your messenger that you send that out to. You know, somebody says, oh, I'll come. And then then somebody goes, God, he's good. I'll come. God, he's good. I'll come. God, he's good. I'll... And that's how it works. And even if I, a little bit of a trade yeah. secret, even if you say somebody's going to come and they know, you know that, no, <laughs> I would invite everybody the best I possibly knew. And then I would, before you knew, I would say, oh, also, we've got such and such coming along. And then everybody would say, if they're coming, I'm in. Before you knew it, and then of course they all turned up on the night and they didn't show. <laughs> you know, so I might come along. People would say, you know, just like I might come along. We'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. You know, and yeah, so, yeah. No, it was good anyway. It's just good cracking. But the club, I really enjoy running the club, and it, yeah, I'm not, I'm not very good, but I enjoy enjoy getting people together and watching them love it. I actually love, I love seeing people play and seeing a group of people come, and I think, God, he's really good. There's a few. In Edinburgh, I think, yeah, they're really good. And I, I think I would right. love to see them playing against each other. You can start mimicking a game in your head, like a like a football manager idea, thinking, you know what I'd love to see? I'd love to see him and him against him and him or, or whatever it is. And I just and like, I love throwing people together like that. And I get a chance to do that, right? People, I know that people are going to come and I'll say, right, okay, you're on. You boys, you're on. Because you can, it's quite good to see a game, right? It's quite good. I quite like it. It was always a yeah, great club, and Nomads. it still gets Nomads and North So It's the same hall. Um, Nomads has had the luxury of running earlier, so it's I think it's seven till ten actually they run. So people just go straight from work and they cycle out or whatever. And um, yeah, and there's, uh, for a while I was running a singles club for the first hour because I think I had it actually from technically from six. So it was like six. I would go straight from work six o'clock. I'd be there, 
and I've decided that it's a really good idea to start up a singles club between six and seven, and then from seven till nine or whatever it was was going to be doubles. Honestly, an hour of singles before at my age, an hour of singles before a club by. By nine o'clock, I was absolutely blown. You know, I was going over. You know, I played singles for like 40 minutes and I'm absolutely goosed and I'm leaving the club at night. You know, people say, where are you going? I say, oh, are you joking? I've just had three three games of singles kills me. Did, also, did you play singles? Yeah. What was your thing? So, I played, yeah, yeah, no, no, I played all. I, I kind of went in fits and starts, to be honest. I, I am, we're talking about Alan McMillan, so um, when I was um, about 15, 16, I, I'd been the kind of number one junior for my age through. And then Alan, Alan suddenly appeared um, and beat me um, probably a couple of times. Uh, and then I'd beat him, but it kind of knocked me. So I then declared myself, I guess, to be a bit more of a double mm-hmm. specialist for a year or two. Um, and then I went, I went back and, and uh, then beat Alan. And I, I guess in the final, the under 18 Scottish, but uh, so fits and start, it probably went with weight as well, you know, 15, 16, not trying hard enough. Um, I lost quite a bit of weight. I just remember, and I, not deliberately, over one really? summer holiday, really? probably about that time. Um, 17 or eight, 16, 17, I, I just, I, I don't know how or why. I just remember turning up. We always used to take a break, and I turned up to training. A couple of people said, you've lost a lot of weight. And and it kind of coincided, and I, and I suddenly started to play a, really? a bit better, and, and, and my singles form got a bit better. So, um, yeah, yeah, no, strange how you, you kind of remember yeah. these things. Uh, who's, your, who's your doubles partner when you went and played doubles for all that time? At that time, who's your did you have a uh, it, it varied, yeah. it, it kind of, and again, talking to you know the therapy side of things, you, when you're a junior, there was a couple of times where I was taken aside and told that I was going to have to change my partner because the Scottish electors were going to pick really? somebody else and they wanted me to start to play in really? practice with. And so that I had to say how, to, how to, to someone that, that how, how awkward is that? Awful, awful, because it becomes it becomes slightly personal, and and uh, um, I, I remember it kind of happened a couple of times when I was about seventeen, eighteen, where we'd gone through the the European Juniors, and then my final year, the European Juniors at the time was every two years. My so my year was then an under eighteen year, and I'd played with the same guy. Um, up until uh, in three under sixteen, under seventeen years, and then he became a senior. So I had to then find another partner. So there was a couple. Of, I guess my pals that uh, I I played some tournaments with, um, but then I was sort of taken aside, and 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 the late Russell Hogg. I was told, look, you've got to play with Russell, even though he was yeah. two years younger. We're going to pick pick you to play with him, and then again. The knock-on effect from that is Russell had a long-term partner as a as a junior, and and Russell had to say to to him, that was David Cunningham, look, I'm, I'm playing with Gary in these older tournaments. Um, I, so it becomes a little yeah, bit mercenary, yeah. I guess. I think and, especially um, because it's such you know, a, I mean, I imagine I, I wasn't really involved in that, but it was such a car sharing. You know, you're living together. You're like family, right? You you know, you're getting this. You're staying yeah. in hotels. You're in mini buses going down the M6. You. You're, you know, you're literally living with each other, and uh, the idea that can someone's going on in the background, there's no easy way to do it, is it? And that was up to you to say that I'm, you, I'm going to be playing with such and such, or would they be pulled by somebody else? No, no, no. It was almost, you know, you you, you, you kind of had to say, as I remember it, you know, that oh, I'm not playing with you in the whatever the Grangemouth Junior or something like that, and and you look back in it, 
you, you get past that, and I'm still friends with some of those those, those guys. But it, you know, you do look back and you think, you know, I mean, I mean, probably there's people, you know, anybody who does watch this probably say, well, he didn't care. He was quite ignorant anyway. He's quite self-centered, and 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 maybe there was a bit. But it's one of those but, things you've got you know, to deal with. You're it, gonna, how you how you process something like that? Well. You know, if you're going to be playing in 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 a, in a international match, and you know that you're going to be playing with like as I was Russell, and we did really well together. I've got to say, it was probably the right yeah. choice. You know, we did really well together. But you know, you you've got to do it, and and, and it does. Yeah, you know, these yeah, sort of things you know go on behind it, um, and maybe at the time you don't see it so much, but there's certainly. A lot of me, you look back and you think, God, you know, that happened. That probably wasn't right or that, yeah. that shouldn't well, have happened. Especially because you're a kid, uh, right? Uh, you know, you're a kid. Yeah, yeah. You, know, well, you're a kid. Yeah, you yeah. look at kids now. Look at my, my son's 19 now. I mean, the idea of someone like that having to happen, you think, oh, you know, oh, you're going to have to tell him, what? Are you serious? You know, it's hard. Yeah, yeah, no, no, it, it is hard. It's uh, And you're young. I mean... You do grow up with these. You know, we um, we spent a huge amount of time. We were lucky in Edinburgh. We had a, a phenomenal squad, and and a lot of those guys went on to play uh, senior badminton for Scotland for many, many, many years. I didn't, you know, but um, they were they were you know really you know great. And but we all grew up together. You know, we we learned an awful lot from the ages of thirteen to eighteen yeah. together. So um, it's hard when these uh, things your happen. First, your coach was Douglas Walker. He was the first coach, yeah, and then uh, um, really, you know, Elmer started his off, but it was Douglas Walker, and then I moved on to John Williamson, oh, yeah. uh, and again, uh, again, that was a, you know, I was a Scottish Badminton Union decision where I was called up and said, look, mm-hmm. you know, we we want you to move to John. John had just started emerging as a coaching talent, and myself and Kenny Middlemas uh, and Hutchinson, we all started working as a little cell. They had these cell coaches, uh, and then started working with John. Um, which again was was you know John suddenly brought new ideas and was a very good influence on me. Um, he kind of got me focused again um, a little bit when I'd lost my way a little bit. At fifty, I was still playing international junior stuff, but he was he was a great influence yeah, on me. Um, your first ever tournament and trophy. So I <laughs> I lost in the final of the Christmas tournament at Meadowbank to a uh, guy I mentioned earlier, the golfer, Alan Murdoch. Uh, and I, I won an alarm <laughs> clock, a little a little alarm clock with a red um, red case. I'll never forget it. I was so proud of it. That was my runner, <laughs> runner's up. I wasn't seeded to get to the final, but I lost Alan, and that was my, An alarm you know, clock. Sat, what sat, does that say in Gareth Elliott? Yeah, yeah, something like that. But that was, that was my prize. You were a singles player, predominantly. You were a singles player. Was the singles you preferred? Was the singles? Well, no, I, 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 all three. I mean, you know, I, I, I probably did best at mixed uh, and doubles um, outside of Scotland anyway. And what was your, what was your game? What, what, what do you think your strength was when you played? There's a question for you. What do you think your strength was as a player that made you good? That made you win? What, what was your, what was different about you, I suppose? Uh, I, I was very deceptive, but that helped me. That helped me finish the rallies quicker because I wasn't that fit. I think looking back in it, I, I, um, I, I certainly wasn't as physically. I, I didn't have the the, the kind of um, aerobic stamina that, that probably I should have had. 
So uh, I, I, I kind of played attacking and I played quite deceptive. Slice, so slices. it was quite good. And, yeah, and good, good around the yeah. net, I guess. That, that I, I would probably say. I mean, there, there'd be people who tell you completely the opposite, I guess. But that's my I memory. Think a lot of it now, if you watch, when you watch it on YouTube, I think a lot of it now is like a workout. It feels like it feels like an endurance challenge to see who's going to be absolutely dying first. Frankly, it just seems like you know, it yeah. looks like that. It looks like they're they are trained and trained and trained and the fittest ever, and they can return anything, but they never try and win. Really try and win. They literally there must be a big psychological part of it, which is just about running the player the opponent down absolutely wearing them down you know yeah. um not necessarily but as you say it's yeah i was the same i i was i would say i was the same i you know i had a lot of slices cross cut drop was always good and it was it was really was and to be honest with you, you still see it now you still see people that are really struggling and they're playing amazing shot then and you hear the commentators saying, oh my god what an amazing shot and realistically those players are bust you know they're, they're either win it or they're gonna die so they just you know they they play yeah. the yeah uh, your main competition growing up sounds like Callum McMillan. Yeah, yeah, really. Um, I there was a a, a lad called Drew Bryson, um, who uh, was an incredible talent. Um, and his sister Alison went on to be, uh, she was a, a very good senior international player, and then became a coach. And Alison and I coached together. But when I was first younger, it was Drew Bryson. He was he was my big kind of rival, and then. In Scotland, and then um, then Alan McMillan, and 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 really through until I finished playing properly, um, I, I would say Alan. And uh, and again, a funny thing with Alan was, you know, I kind of resented him coming along and 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 kind pitch. of beat me and beat the younger one. But um, I I I watched Alan. We were on an international trip together, and he got put in um, almost like fodder against the Danish team in a singles match that we knew we couldn't win. Uh, and, and our kind of number one player was rested, and I, and and he was phenomenal. I, I'll never forget it. He just went on, he did his stuff, and he played great against this top Danish player. And um, that that's probably where my respect for him changed yeah. completely. You know, yeah. it was it, I, I thought bloody hell. You know, he's really good. You know, I probably get really good. So, um, but yeah, it was good. You know, and and you know, we still was I guess, stay in touch occasionally. Was the very thing going on back then? Uh, yeah, yeah, I would say I would say your your coaches who were, were based in the west and and Ayrshire a little bit, um, and then Edinburgh was a was a huge hub. I mean, we had phenomenal talent there. It was just a time, and it, whether that's related to that scholarship thing I was talking about, I don't know. But you know, we had free courts. We were down there and we were training, and and one seemed to bring on the other. Yeah. Um, and and what happens a lot with the kids is that the players that were kind of pretty good at 14 and 15 a lot of them but they weren't the top suddenly come through at 17 and 18 and suddenly go on and become very very good and and the ones that were talented and went in when they're younger maybe you know don't don't make it but we had a, a huge hub uh, and a lot of that was Dougie Walker yes. I mean he opened up the school at Fur Hill on a Friday night and you know we just played all the time I mean I you know I used to play Dougie at lunchtime you know every lunchtime and and never really kind of fully understand until later on uh, how much of a commitment that he did. I mean, he was phenomenal yeah. to, to me and, and, and my brother and, and an awful lot of other people. It's amazingly but, selfless. You know, I was the only yeah. one. Oh, huge, hugely. I mean, to, you know, because I was at the school, I had access, it felt like I had access to him every day. So, yeah, it was phenomenal. Kids? What about his kids? 
Uh, Eric they were they because he lived in Pennycook. Eric and, Eric and, and um, Emma. so uh, Emma, but they they yeah, but they they didn't go to Fur Hill, so or certainly not when I was there. I don't think they went to Fur Hill. They lived in Pennycook, so um, yeah. Uh, yeah, that they they were later. Yeah, they were a bit younger. Okay, so, okay. Let's. I don't know if you can answer okay, questions let's... about. <clears throat> excuse me about. Um, do you not play at all now, Gary? The, uh, the, the, there's a bit of joke going around because I've been since the clubhouse is I've been shut the golf club. I've turned one into half a badminton court, and so going in I do shadow badminton training. I've lost two stone, two Good stone and three pounds. So so um I, and I hit the the kind of fifty five age yeah. coming up. So uh, uh, I'll maybe play a little bit of senior I stuff. Love we'll see. God, it's boring, um, isn't it? Hard work. It's hard work. Uh, sixty it, seconds of shadow badminton. It's hard work, right? I never played a sixty second uh, rally in my life, but no, um, I, I've been playing. I mean, I, the last sort of fifteen years hardly been on court. I went to a club in Reading. I've got a Malaysian member who's Good. a badminton fanatic Good. at the golf club who plays Berkshire senior stuff. And I went to, I went to his Good. club uh, two or three nights and I turned out I hadn't been in court for 10 years. And, and I just thought it was, I, I didn't know how good he yeah. was. And, and uh, I turned up thinking this was just a small badminton club and they were a division one club. And I turned up, I think I was 60, about 16 stone mm-hmm. three at the time and, tu- and turned up to this club night and I hadn't been on court. But um, uh, yeah, I, I didn't lose a match that night. And uh, I went away, and, and I was full of good intentions. But um, yeah, other than that, but now, that, you, was, but now yeah, you've been doing shadow badminton, so you can go back. That's why you've been doing that now. You've been doing that to go back to that um, club again, I reckon. Uh, no, I, I don't. Maybe, maybe, maybe I need to. Uh, we'll see. Yeah. I, I, um, I've been well aware of the, the kind of age group, and now we're back in touch with some of the older players. I mean, um, I, a lot of these guys are all playing vet stuff, and. You might not have seen them for 15 or 20 years, but yeah. they're still your friends, they're still your pals, and, and we have a good bit of banter. So I feel like I, I missed out a little bit. Uh, and uh, so we'll see if if, if, yeah. if I could get a bit for I still need to, well, to lose a all, bit of timber. Um, this but is all, maybe, I mean, it's like I say, this is all the silver line of COVID. You know, getting time to get in touch with people again. And, you know, your Babbitt memories have done a great job of getting everybody together. And it's all good, right? It's all good, isn't it? Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Um, so that's fine. Current, do you have a racket now? <laughs> they're in. They're in. The, they're in my mini badminton hall next door. <laughs> but there's uh, there's a couple of Asherways that I think are about twenty years old. So um, I, in fact, the last time we were on the badminton memories call, Dan was on there, and I need to send Dan a, a message and and uh, get a couple of Yelixes yeah. or something yeah, down. So it's funny. Um... Barry was just talking about his racket, didn't he? If you saw his racket, did you? I did. did I used you? to use them as well. I, I, yeah, yeah, they were the Wilson ones with the funny, oh, really funny heads. Weird. Yeah. Really weird. Big scoop at the top. Yeah, it's so funny. They were good. They, they, um, I, there was a period where they were sponsoring the Danish team, I think. So quite a lot of Danish players were I'm using t- Wilson. I've, yeah. I've been playing tennis and obviously Wilson Pro staff is all day long. That's what everybody uses. That's the best you can get, Wilson Pro staff. I would never ever think about it for badminton, but yeah, for for tennis, it's just the name, right? It's like Yonex. It's like Yonex. Wilson Wilson is the the name, so, right, for tennis. So, so talking about Wilson, thank, through through golf, I got to go to the Wilson Research and Development Center in Chicago, 
um, we went out to to watch the USPGA at Western Straits, and we went into the the R and D center, and they had all the all the tennis racket handles from all the stars, Serena Williams and uh, Federer was I don't know if he's still Wilson and, and stuff, and they had them all there. So yeah, and they had all the spec sheets of the tennis for the Federer's racket. Yeah. yeah, it's a that's what I've got. It's Wilson. It's a Pro Staff ninety seven. What do they call it again? AF something. AF. I always think yeah. Yeah, it's um. Right. Yeah. I like. I do enjoy tennis. Have you ever played? I played a little bit. Um, I, again at school, bizarrely at Firhill High School, I was number one in Scotland for my age at, at badminton, and we had the number one really? tennis player, who actually was quite a good badminton player as well, really? Colin McGill, uh-huh. and Michael McGill. They both went on to be Scottish tennis champions. It was it was bizarre. We, we there was good. just a lot of talent uh, for racket sports. Fantastic. Um, was you have you got kids? Uh, I got a son who's uh, upstairs hiding away, a fourteen-year-old. So uh, he lives in Norwich. He lives uh, with his mother in Norwich, but he he comes and stays with me a lot. He's down here Are for Easter. So or a badminton player? No, he's a movie fanatic. Um, he uh, he played a little bit of badminton when he was younger, a little bit of sports, but. Sports are gone. He's, he's doing okay at school, and he's but he's an absolute movie fanatic, and that's his that's what, his joy. What superhero kind of things or what kind of things? Oh, oh God, yeah, Tell yeah, him to look yeah, at yeah, my son's nineteen, and he's now at, he's he's at Harriet Watt University, but he's a he's a journalist. He got a job as a journalist, but his English has always been very good. But he's technical, but he's got a job as a as a journalist for a, for an American magazine, a new internet based magazine called thedirect.com. And he's been writing uh, from his flat. He's been writing like t- up to ten up to ten articles a day. They assign them projects about movies, about gaming, and and they just basically writes articles. What? And he gets paid ten quid an article. He makes himself available, and um, yeah, he goes on and and yeah, they just they send him work and said, do you want to write about this? And he'll write an article and post it. it has to do it within twenty minutes. Boom. There's an article. Boom. Write it. Send it. And what? he does the thumbnails and all that stuff for the for the all that. Very clever. How look? That's not how look. The direct dot com. It's uh. It's all about. It's mostly mostly Marvel. That's that's the that's the biggest. Right. Thing. Well, on the superhero yeah. side, and again coming at badminton memories, Alistair Casey, who's ex junior player, who's now chief of staff for USA yeah. Badminton, he's coaching. He's coaching Zack Snyder, who is the director. Did all the Justice mm. League stuff. He did, did mm. the Wonder Woman. Yeah, and and he's got him involved in USA Badminton, so he's an ambassador for yeah, USA I'll get Badminton. I'll him. Like he's he's yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. He's a, he's a bang on for an interview. Well, interestingly, so there is a there is an American American stuntman called Samuel Hargrave, and that's my son's called Samuel Hargrave, H A R G R A V E, and there is an actual American superhero like a a stuntman called Sam Hargrave, and as soon as wow. he got the job, he said, "Oh, is it the stuntman?" He's like, "No." <laughs> So what a coincidence that it's quite an unusual name. Um so so you're gonna go back to Badminton, you think? We'll see. I mean I, I think I, you will. I, my golf will. And, and project I've got a lot. But we'll see. I I, I certainly the, the, the everybody's been on that call and these calls that we do, it makes me a little bit think you well, too. you know, if I don't do it now I'll never when do when it. When I listen so we'll to see. Barry we'll saying, see. you know, my knees are busted and I, I think you might have missed the last bit where he told us about did you hear the, the conversation about five years ago from Barry? What, what when he yes. bust bus, he, yes. he's Achilles tendon? Yeah, 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 no, we were... It's a, it's a, a bit of a legendary story amongst the so anyway, He's recorded that, so I'll upload that onto YouTube as well. Both Achilles at the same time. Unbelievable, right? 
Um, good. And what? So, okay, I'm going to finish with this question because that's an hour. Is it an hour? It is an hour. Um, what is it about badminton you think about different? Why did you? Why did you choose and like badminton? Um, and and also it's a question is that I, that I like to ask is which is is there somebody that you'd attribute your love of badminton to individually? As well as why you love it, but is there also is there somebody that you say if it hadn't been for him I wouldn't have? Oh, I, I mean, without a doubt, that's that that's yeah. Douglas Walker. There's no uh, the influences that that he had on me in the early days and the, and the opportunities that that he put my way in terms of training and practicing and whatever. That that, that without a doubt, you know, it was that uh, those opportunities early on. Um, but the, the the love of the sport is just. I mean, I, I wouldn't have swapped my teenage years for anything. Um, it is a it's a great sport. It always has been for the camaraderie through it and and the lifelong friends and and um, and and you get that from everybody. All of your videos, everybody that you see, you know, the the uh, it's it's just been a phenomenal sport for that and uh and long may it continue and i you know, i've had good times with it i've helped a few people on my way as well so um no it is a, it's just a great sport and i and i and uh um yeah i don't know many other sports that are just quite like it thank you very much gary that's been awesome sunday afternoon i'll let you go back to the sunshine i can see your sun beaming through the window just like it is my end i'll uh it's probably it's probably quite disappointing to go outside it's probably freezing cold but it looks blue where where I am? Well, I hope it's I hope it's still Saturday, not Saturday. Sunday. We've not been on that yeah, long. Saturday. Martin, keep up the good work. Honestly, I said off camera, everybody really appreciates this. You're doing a great Thank job no with it. So. I wouldn't do it if I didn't no love that. It's quite selfish. Really. I wouldn't do it if I didn't love that. It's quite selfish. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, thank you. Have a great day. Thank you. Cheers, Gary.